You know, a lot of people, they it's 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 a microwave society these days. They want, you know, they want the agreement rather than the covenant. They want the nicely wrapped package in a nice bow. They want the finished product, but 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 they're not willing to put in the work. The question is, are you willing to meet the requirements of your requirements? Shaq. I hope you guys have had a beautiful Friday. I hope you guys have had a beautiful week. And I hope you guys are getting ready for the huge, huge, huge amount of blessings coming your way. Amen. But um, today I wanted to talk about divorce. You know, I talk to people all day, every day, and they bring to my attention a number of different topics. And uh, recently, I got myself into a debate as to uh, whether or not divorce is legal in the kingdom of God, whether divorce is not legal in the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to break it down for you guys today. Amen. But uh, I'm going to be going to, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 7.15 and 1 Corinthians 7.39. But before I do, I want to start this off with a, a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, in your mighty and holy name, Lord Jesus, in your mighty and holy name, I plead your blood over this episode. I plead your blood over this video. I plead your blood over this microphone, over each and every one of my listeners, my viewers, those who are within the sound of my voice. I pray that you impart me your spirit, Father God. I pray that you impart me your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding. I pray that you help me feed the sheep, Father God. I pray that you help me help them cross the river. I pray that your spirit may be used in me the way you would have it used, Father God. In Jesus' name, let your will be done tonight. Amen. All right, guys, so going into it, uh, talking about divorce. Um, so the way the Bible describes it as, um, the issue of divorce, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's not legal. It doesn't matter what happens. You know, you should remain with your wife. You should remain with your partner, your spouse, no matter what happens. And that's the end of it. But contrary, yeah, the Bible does say that, but the Bible also says something else regarding divorce. And there are mainly three exceptions for getting divorced. You know, if you remarry for any reason other than number one, your spouse cheats. Number two, if they're an unbeliever and they no longer uh, wish to remain in the union or three, they die. Um, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first uh, verse from Matthew chapter 5, 31, 32, as to what exactly do I mean you can divorce if your spouse cheats. Jesus said, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and 
Whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Children, I want to focus on with that particular passage. It says, except sexual immorality. You know, you don't commit adultery except if your spouse cheats. So if you say, for example, if you leave, see, the Bible sees, the Bible is a very, very black and white. The kingdom of God is very, very black and white. It's either of God or of the devil. The Bible says, Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You either love one or hate the other. You either uh, be loyal to one and despise the other. So with that being said, whatever you do that is legal, God will honor it. So where it says, except for sexual immorality, whoever cheats, uh, I mean, whoever leaves their spouse, except for sexual immorality, commits adultery and marries another commits adultery. So if the other person commits sexual immorality, if they commit adultery, if they cheat, if they, you know, had an extramarital affair, within the marriage and you leave for that particular reason, God does not see that as sin. So that's one exception. You can divorce your significant other partner, spouse, whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable calling if they cheat. The second is, oh, where my mic? The second is if they're an unbeliever and they no longer uh, wish to remain in the union. For some of us, we marry uh, significant others who are not Christians. You know, they don't believe in the faith. And the Bible says, if you are married to them, that your belief covers them if they do not believe. Otherwise, your children will be a holy. It says this in 1 Corinthians 7. But I'm going to I'm going to read the verse of what it says after that. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 7, 15, which says, but if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Guys, if you have a significant other who does not share your faith, if you are married to someone who does not share your faith, they don't believe in God, they don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, they don't have the Holy Spirit, and they want nothing to do with you anymore, the Bible says you're not under bondage to them. It, it's, it's a biblically justifiable divorce and God will eventually call you to peace and your soul will be set free because of them. You say, but I, 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 I love them. You know, I, I love them so much. I never wanted them to leave. I understand that. But should you decide to pursue someone else, you're not in bondage to them. Amen. So that's the second reason. If they're an unbeliever and they no longer wish to remain in the union, the third reason, children of Yah, is if they die. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 7, 39. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Pretty self-explanatory. In the kingdom of God, you know, if you're alive, you're ma- you can remain married for as long as you're alive. But should you die or should somebody else die or the both of you die together, you don't stay married in the kingdom. And it's a very, very broad reason 
why you don't stay married in heaven that the Holy Spirit revealed to me. But that's a topic for another day. But that's the third reason is if they unfortunately pass away. So the first reason is they cheat. The second reason is if they no longer, if your partner no longer believes or you no longer believe and you no longer wish to remain in the union. And the third reason is they die. And so, you know, one of the things I've heard, um, I've heard someone ask me the question, so should a woman stay in an abusive marriage? Children of Yah, to that, I say this. You know, I would never, ever endorse um, staying married to someone who poses a serious threat to your life. And I don't necessarily believe that it's God's will for them either. You know, like it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So you got to, as a husband, you have to give your wife the understanding that she deserves. It's not God's will for an abusive man to beat his wife for weakness, whether it whether he perceives it in her or his own weakness, to which I believe if you're a man and you abuse your wife, your wife, there is something internally wrong with you. Second Corinthians six fourteen says, "Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what light has what." Fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what light has communion with darkness? So, children of y'all, if you're in an abusive marriage, or you know someone who is in, a, in an abusive marriage, if you knew they were abusive from jump, you're not supposed to be in a marriage with them anyways. The Bible says, do not be deceived, for evil company corrupts good habits. And when we choose to marry people who have a demonic affliction, it's one thing to be demonically afflicted, but it's another to outright reject the gospel and you're just completely demonic. If we marry such a person thinking that we're going to change them, children of Yah, please cut this out. You have you 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 have to seek the Lord first. So to that. You know, I'm going to ask this question for those of you who say, so she should stay in an abusive relationship or he should stay in an abusive marriage. I'm going to ask you this, and I want you to truly consider this. Did the did the person who's getting abused, did they pray to God before getting involved with that person? And also, I respectfully ask, did they get involved with that man out of desperation or brokenness? Or did they get involved because they wanted to change them? Either way, I want to tell you that in all likelihood, in most cases, because I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of family that's been involved in abusive relationships and abusive marriages. Most of the time, the decision does not include God for them to get married. Most of the time, they make the decision on their own. Matthew uh, chapter 6, 33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. 
Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 7 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And children of Yah, anytime we make a decision, whether it's marriage or anything else, without the counsel of the Holy Spirit, without the counsel of God, we put ourselves at risk of not only being attacked, but failing and being broken. And so with that being said, like I said, I've had a lot of people in my family who've been victims of domestic abuse in their unions. And, you know, transparency time, my former stepsister uh, was killed by her husband. But the reality is, children of y'all, that a lot of women face uh, that a lot of women face is that, you know, they choose to stay with a man out of fear that. They can't survive through the grace of God, and they don't trust God to help them find a more suitable partner for their walk. The same could be said about men. I was choosing uh, partners that, you know, they they say they believed in God, but, you know, clearly they were liars. Clearly they couldn't be trusted. And so a lot of the times is that you know, we always like to feed ourselves the lies. And I'm, t- I'm speaking from the standpoint, from the point of view and the perspective of the mind of the uh, the person getting abused. We like to tell ourselves this lie that, oh, things are going to get better. Oh, he, he, he or she, she doesn't abuse me every once in a while. And it's not just physical abuse. Abuse can be emotional, verbal, and physical, I guess. But We like to tell ourselves this lie that, oh, he was such an amazing man or she was such an amazing woman when I met them. It wasn't always like this. And then when things got serious, you know, it slowly started to happen. And then you slowly started to see more come out of this person. And then, bam, you know, you want to hold on to what the relationship started as and here and here's the sad part children of y'all what the relationship started as it's not necessarily the reality of a relationship they say the honeymoon phase of a marriage is or the honeymoon phase from the time you meet that person to the time you marry them is six months to two years but if you're in the spirit the spirit will be able to answer for you the kind of heart that they have Jesus said the eyes are the windows to the soul. More on that later. But you're going to be able to look in a person's eyes and see whether there's light or whether there's darkness. And then the Holy Spirit is going to give you the discernment to to say you either need to marry this person or you need to stay away from this person or you need to help them. But either way, the Holy Spirit, like it says in Proverbs 3, Uh, Chapter three, verses five through seven, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear Lord and depart from evil. But, you know, any other excuse for divorce other than they cheat, they no longer wish to be in the union and they're not a believer and they die. Any other excuse, then it's an adulterous relationship. 
And there are many people who want to get married, but children of y'all, here's the truth. Rather than form covenants, they form agreements. They'll say, well, we're going to remain married if you do this, that, and the third. If you don't, I'm divorcing you. The minute you get fired from your job, I'm divorcing you. If you snore loud at night, I'm divorcing you. If you wear dirty clothes all day, every day, I'm divorcing you. If you don't know how to take care of yourself, I'm divorcing you. None of these things, children of y'all, are grounds for divorce. None of them. None of them. And yet, more people, they get divorced every day for stupid reasons and not a, 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 a legitimate reason. The, per, the, other, the, the, the partner or spouse, they didn't cheat. They still wanted to be with you. And they didn't die. But we divorce people because we have this conditional version of love toward each other. It's always terms and conditions. And it forces unfair and unreasonable expectations on the other partner that that we don't we don't even follow ourselves. I mean, you got to ask yourselves, guys, those of you contemplating divorce, do you meet the requirements of your requirements? See, grace is expensive. We always want God to give us grace, but we don't want to extend that grace to our partners. How many times has your partner promised you something that they never followed up on with that promise? How many times has your partner lied to you? How many times has your partner held secrets from you? How many times has your partner said, don't worry, babe, I'm going to take care of this problem. I'm going to take care of that problem. And they failed time and time again. How many times has your partner failed in the marriage? How many times have you not been able to communicate with that partner? Well, let me ask you something. If you're contemplating a divorce for those particular reasons, I want you to think back to a time when God wanted to communicate with you and you ignored him. I wanted you to I want you to think back to a time where God promised you or you promised God that you would do something and 30 seconds later you forgot about it. As God is graceful to us, we have to be graceful towards others, and that includes our partners. And the Bible specifically says men to not to love our wives and to not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives, Ephesians says, as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. Men, we got to love our wives the same way. We got we got to sacrifice our lives the same way Christ sacrificed for us. And that's a big version of love. Let me let me let me tell you something. Women will do women go crazy for a man who is willing to do whatever they want for the marriage. Women go crazy for a man who has a strong sense of duty and commitment. But, you know, a lot of people, they, it's, it's, it's a microwave society these days. They want, you know, they want the agreement rather than the covenant. They want the nicely wrapped package in a nice bow, they want the finished product, but, but but they're not willing to put in the work. The question is, are you willing to meet the requirements of your requirements? 
You say you want a God-fearing man, ladies. You say he has to do this, he has to do that, good credit, good job, car, live on his own, this, that, this, that, and the third. You say he he has to be honest, he has to be strong, he has to be this, that, and the third. But are you willing to rise to that level? Are you willing to meet those requirements yourself? Some of you say yes, but you know good and well that you're well below that. And that's why, with all due respect, God is maybe holding you, holding you back from the partner that you truly want, that you truly say you want, because he knows that if he gave it to you, you wouldn't know what to do with it. And I've been in many, many uh, unions where the other part, where the other person said, I want this, I want that. And then when the time came for them to get it, they had no idea what to do. Like, uh, I'm not ready for this because their hearts weren't ready. Their hearts weren't conditioned to that. And here's another thing uh, uh, about it. You know, a lot of people, they make decisions marrying other people without even asking God if it's the right decision that they they should make. You know, and I was one of those people. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I, I wanted to find love so badly, but I didn't trust that God was going to give me what I needed to the extent of when I found the person who showed me a primed and propped up perfect image of what I wanted. I, I held on to that image for dear life saying, no, 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 no. They're going to, they're going to stay this way. We're going to live happily ever after. And then that's that. And then when they showed me a version of something different than that, then it was over with. It was done. Payao. And so, and here's another thing of why the number for people getting divorced is seven, almost eight out of 10. Children of y'all, listen carefully. And this isn't going to surprise you. Some of you, it's not going to surprise you. Some of you are not going to dis- uh, are not going to agree with me. But this is the reason that destroys most marriages: money. The main reason is money. If neither person in the union is particularly a money person, you know, even if they weren't a money person, if there is a lack of money in the marriage, then the lack of money usually governs the couple's choices. And the more money controls your life, the lack of choices you have for your freedom. Hey, babe, you want to go see a movie? I can't. I have no money. Hey, babe, you want to you, you wanna go to the mall? I can't. I have no money. Hey, babe, let's go on vacation with what money? Hey, babe, let's go for a drive. I don't have gas money. Babe, we need we need to fix the we need to fix the 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 sink uh, with my magic wallet because I have no money. You know, how easy is it to live happily ever after when you're up at night thinking about the rent? Or that notice that you received in the mail that says, if such and such is not paid by this day, how many of you know what I'm talking about? If such and such is not paid by this date, we will take away this, that, and the third. This will be shut off. Your license will be suspended and all this other crazy stuff. And how many people understand 
that happiness is not an easy concept in the marriage when you're thinking about that nonstop. And believe it or not, children of Yah, this happens in every single home in America. So with that being said, the main reason why most men are afraid to commit to their women if they're single or uh, uh, or they're married or any women is is not because women contrary that they want to cheat at least if they're decent men it's not because of that but rather if they're decent men it's because they're afraid of starva- uh, starvation and i was one of these men you know their frame is Geez, man, I could barely get by on my own, and 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 now I gotta take care of of someone else. You know, even if most women say, "Babe, I don't care about the money. I just want you to love me," they're lying because every time a a, a woman a woman wants to be swooned by a man, they want their men to take care of everything. How many of you women out there, you want a man to take care of everything? You want a man to completely hold it down. That's it. That is our responsibility. God has ordained that we hold it down for the women. And I respectfully say they're lying because, you know, every time I've dated a woman and said, I don't care about money. I just wanted a man to respect me and treat me right. When the relationship got serious, the more things we wanted to do, the more money was required of us. And whenever and whenever we made decisions of life, money was usually involved in the conversation. So when they say, babe, I don't care about the money, don't believe them. Guys, don't believe them. And I'm not getting at the women, but it's just a fact of life. The money controls a good chunk of a union. And if the money portion is not taken care of, it can wreck a union and it can cause a man to question his manhood. Like, wow, man. You know, she, my, my girl, she trusts me to hold it down and I can't even afford pizza right now. And this happens and, and men go into deep depression because of it. And it's hard to come out of it because they don't, these are the conversations, ladies, that men don't like to have with their women because, you know, we, we, we like, we have a tendency to go in and we don't, and we're, we're just like, no, 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 I got it. I'll take care of it. I'm going to figure this out. And we don't want to tell you because we're afraid that you're going to come to the conclusion that we can't handle it. We can't get the job done. And I've I've had some I've had some pretty pretty brutal conversations with women when I couldn't provide for them the way I wanted to. And when a man, you know, you know, when a man can't take care of his woman, you know, he secretly goes to war within himself and doesn't like to say anything to his women about it. You know how, and you know, most men say, you know, how can I be a man when I can't even uh, afford to give my woman the world like she deserves? You know, that's the reality of what goes on in the mind of a guy when he doesn't, um, when he falls short in the financial aspect. And the reality is, when you look in the book of Ruth, Boaz took care of Ruth. Boaz was one of the wealthiest men in, where did they go? Did they travel to Bethlehem? I think it was Bethlehem. 
He was one of the wealthiest men there. When he saw Ruth and he saw her worth, he saw that the spirit was clearly operating in her. He took care of her. And that's one of the most important things in a union. Men, you have to be able to take care of your women. I know sometimes it's hard. I know, you know, we're working as hard as we can to make ends meet. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the money is is just not there. But the goal is to actually get to that point. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I've had some really, you know, spirit breaking conversations with 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 women that I wanted to build a future with. And they would tell me things like, you're a bum. You know, I need a man to take care of me. I can't even trust you to provide. You know, when I, you know, in my last relationship, I was dating a woman. We got into an argument and, you know, I was struggling financially. And she said to me, you know, when I was dating other guys, I never had a problem with this. I never had a problem with money. I never, uh, my, the man always stepped in to, to, to pick up this bill, to pick up that bill. He, I, I never, I never had to worry about this. And, you know, as mean as it is and as harsh as it is, there's some part as a man that you just, you just question, you just like, you relate to it and you be like, dang, man, like, she's right. Like, like, you know, I can't even afford to keep a woman because I can't even, I can't even afford, you know, paying the bills myself. And the Bible backs up their point of view, regardless of how harsh it is, the truth is the truth. And sometimes the truth will push you as a man to do more so that You'll never go in a situation where money will owe it. Well, money will control you and you'll never push yourself as a man in that situation where no other woman can say that again. But nonetheless, the Bible backs up their point of view, like it says in First Timothy 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so. Ephesians 5.33 says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The women want love, the men want respect. And children of Yah, any man who looks out for himself when he marries is expected to look out for his wife the same way. To put it simply, you can't be married and be selfish. And selfishness, children of y'all, will destroy any marriage. I don't care who you are. And moreover, selfishness is not the way of a God-fearing spouse. It's just not. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So you basically have to be willing to die for your spouse, children of y'all. Husbands in particular, you have to make her feel like she is the queen that she was when you first laid eyes on her. And I'm not saying the queen just has to sit there and do nothing because the Proverbs 31 woman is not a lazy woman. A virtuous woman under the eyes of the Lord is not a lazy woman. A virtuous woman is, in fact, very enterprising 
And she does her part in making sure the marriage thrives. Philippians 2, 3, 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And children of Yah, that, that applies very, very much in a marriage. Very much. So when it comes to divorce, you know, if you left because you simply disagreed with the other person, assuming you're both Christian, in God's eyes, you're still married. Point blank, period. And you're only to reconcile with that particular person and not with anybody else. Your covenant is still very much intact. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 through 11. Now to the married I command, Paul says, yet I not the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Children of Yah, that is the general rule of divorce. And if the two of you don't agree on significant issues, Children of Yah, that is something that the two of you should figure out before you get married. Amos 3.3 says, can the two walk together unless they are agreed? If you don't agree, it's not going to work out. If you can't work together, it's not going to work out. If both of you are in the rowboat, you have one oar, she has another. If you're rowing the oar at a different pace than she's rowing it, it's going to make it hard for you to go down the stream. You got to work on getting your rowing in sync. Moreover, I would encourage you, children of Yah, to test the spirit in any prospective partner you come across if you're single. Or you can do this with your significant others. But test their spirits and seek first the kingdom of God and acknowledge his presence through the courtship or the marriage, whether you're single or married, acknowledge his presence, acknowledge God's presence anyway, meaning allow God to lead you as much as possible to see if the person is who they say they really are. First John 4, 1 says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Romans 3, 4 says, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Jesus said the eyes are the windows to the soul in Matthew 6, to 23. The lamp of the body is the eye, Jesus says. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The eyes are the windows to the soul, children of Yah. Don't test their spirits by asking questions. I had I heard someone say that to me before. Well, I was testing your spirit by asking you the question if you believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. Yes, the Bible does say, for with the mouth a confession is made unto salvation. Yes, but the problem is that people can lie. You say, but didn't Jesus ask questions? Yes, he did ask questions. But Jesus already knew the spirit. 
He already tested their spirit. He already knew where their spirits were before they asked. But a confession is such a big thing in the kingdom. It's not necessarily what people say, but the spirit behind what they say. And so therefore, children of Yah, test the spirits by looking into their eyes, using the Holy Spirit and discerning whether there is light or there is darkness. So if you're married and you're having serious disagreements with the spouse, I would encourage you to stop, pause, and seek the Lord and what is happening with your marriage. And sometimes it's the spiritual warfare at play in your marriage trying to divide you. And other times it's simply because they were never in, in full submission to the marriage anyway. They saw you as, I could have sex with this person as much as I want. Oh, this person looks handsome. This person looks beautiful. She has a nice body. He has a nice body. He does this well, that well. But he only wanted to have fun. He never wanted to be engaged in a full covenant. And when I say spiritual warfare, for those of you who don't understand, you have to understand that the Bible says, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but by but with spirit uh, powers and principalities and the powers that be and the rulers of darkness of this age against wicked hosts in heavenly places. Most of the time, excuse me, it's not, it's never the person, but the spirit that controls a person. If you have, for example, a murderer, that person by default is not inherently evil. It's the spirit of Cain, because Cain was the one who committed the first murder in the Bible. It's the spirit of Cain controlling that person. And that is what you're seeing. But if you took such a person and you said, I wonder what they would be like if they had the Holy Spirit. That's the perspective you need to have when you think about spiritual warfare. So when it comes to a marriage, if your spouse is acting strange, they might very well be in a losing battle of spiritual warfare. It might be the spirit of division. It might be the spirit of discord. It might be the spirit of lust. It might be the spirit of adultery. It might be the spirit of double-mindedness. It might be the spirit of greed. If it's not of God, it's of the devil. But you have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you have to acknowledge the Lord through your strife for him to properly answer you. Because yes, it is possible that you can be delivered from the spiritual warfare and you can save your marriage if you learn the will of the Lord in your marriage. But either way, seek the Lord and what he has to say and fully submit to him and his will. And if his will is for you to separate children of Yah, then so be it. You know, some of you are saying that, you know, doesn't God hate divorce? You know, doesn't the Bible say, you know, never to divorce your wife? Yes, it does. And yes, he does. 
In fact, it says it in Malachi 2.16, for the Lord of God is of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. But please understand, children of Yah, that God has heard when it comes to these partners that you may have no business being with. Please understand that God might have heard conversations. God definitely has heard conversations that your partners had with other people or at least in their minds and hearts that your partner had that you didn't hear. God knows their hearts, whether or not they're committed to you or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not saying go against the word of God and just blatantly divorce your spouse. But what I am saying is seek the Lord's will from that point in your marriage. And maybe it was never his will for you to be married to the partner you're married to. Maybe it was never his will. Maybe it, maybe it was his will for your marriage to be tested in the fire in the regard that it's being tested in to help the two of you grow. I don't know. But the one thing that is the most important is to seek first the kingdom of God regarding the matter, whether or not your spouse chooses to do the same. You seek first the kingdom of God. Don't say, well, if he or she would do this, that, and a the third, then maybe the marriage will work out. No, 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 no. You take the initiative. You set the tone. You set the kingdom tone as to how this is going to play out. You do everything in your power spiritually to save the marriage. And here's another thing, children of y'all. You cannot use a natural solution to a spiritual problem. Sometimes therapy works, but as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 to 14 Paul says, but to the rest, I not the Lord say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. The whole point, in closing, the whole point, children of Yah, is to be an example and a product of the kingdom regardless. You have to let your conduct be one. You have to let your conduct be one of the spirit and the kingdom. The Bible, I believe, says in 1 Peter it says the wives let, you know, if a husband doesn't believe, then when try to win him over through the conduct of your character, that your example is an example of a believer, not only a believer, but a virtuous woman under the Lord. And so always follow whether you're thinking about divorce or not, always follow the will of the Lord in your marriage. Always follow that. And whether through your spouse or God, you will always be taken care of. Guys, that's all I have for today. I pray that you guys go so in Jesus' name, go grow in Jesus' name. For those of you listening on my podcast platform, this 
live. This video will also be available on YouTube. For those of you uh, watching the video through YouTube, it will be available through Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. For those of you want to get in contact with me privately, my email is yahwevise at gmail.com. My Instagram, too, is also yahwevise. You can also reach me on Facebook, Yahwevise Podcast. My name is Shaquan Woody. Think about this. Think about how you want to handle your marriage. Because with God, all things are possible. I love you all. God bless you all and have a good evening. Thank you.